Welcome to episode number three of the How to Pair Beer with Everything podcast, brought to you by NEPACene.com. Uh, this week we are joined again by the wonderful George and diving into a plethora of enjoyable topics and phenomenal beer. This week we kind of featured one brewery with Stone Brewing Company. Uh, we cracked open a bottle of their amazing Ruination 2.0, a uh, new take on a very wonderful beer, and their Hi-Fi Lo-Fi Mixtape, a very interesting blend from their Stochasticity project, which is always fun to say. Uh, Stone's a very well-known brewery that we all enjoy very much and kind of really got us all into craft beer as well, as you find out as you listen to the show. Uh, if, again, if you want to get in touch with us, it's nepacene.com. That's scene, S-C-E-N-E.com. Uh, you can find a link to send us an email over there. Let us know what you think. If there's anything you want to jump in on, chime in on, tell us we're idiots. Uh, we've heard it all before. But uh, that's enough for right now. Sit back and enjoy, and catch you on the other end. We survived a holiday weekend. Everybody good? Anybody do anything fun? Drink. Yeah. I watched uh, Alf on Hulu. That was my 4th of July. Oh. I got to uh, catch up on some Alf. You know, <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, Hulu has, I, I love sitting and watching some of the old things. Like we were, I was showing George watching some Masters of Horror. Yeah. That old show that was about 25% good, 75% awful. Bad, yeah. And then they brought, what they, they brought it, uh, Fear Itself, is that what it was called? They they canceled it on uh, Showtime and then brought it to NBC and it's called Fear Itself. It was a censored version of yeah it, that, that lasted a season. What are you gonna do? It seems like these horror shows are kind of yeah, and they were kind of a precursor though because that was two mid two thousands when that was on. So it was kind of before. I think if they, I don't know because I don't know if they tried bringing it back if it would do anything because that was uh, I don't know. It just didn't fly right. They, I don't know, whatever didn't work right with that. I'll, I'll say that yeah, Masters of Horror seemed to have uh, decent marketing for horror films. Yeah. You know, it made you want to pick them up. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you know, John Carpenter. Yeah, when they sold those individual DVDs and everything. And, th- and there was a couple that were good. It was just, uh, some of them were such big misses that it was just kind of yeah. killed everything. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the thing, because if you started off seeing a terrible one, it was kind of like that bad. It was, I mean, it was a TV show, so it's episode by episode, and if you start out with a bad one, you got a bad one, and it's kind of hard to win someone back over after that. So, you know, this is a beer show, though. <laughs> so uh, we cracked open some Stone Ruination 2.0. Now, this is uh, an interesting one because Stone, uh, just a few months ago, wasn't it, George, that they, they kind of came out and said they're getting rid of Ruination, they're getting rid of Pale Ale, they got rid of uh, Levitation, and sublimely self-righteous. And the, what they wound up doing is they came back, though, with uh, a Pale L 2.0 and Ruination 2.0. And Ruination was kind of their big, beefed-up double IPA that had like, a very, very loyal following. That was probably the one that, when they made the announcement, that probably pissed off the most people. And then they wound up coming back out with this. So they, I mean, it was great marketing. Like, you know what you're doing to do that. Sure. And, but, I mean, they came right back out with this, and it's really good. 
I think it kind of comes back in with everything. It's that real wonderful hop punch. What What is the the major differences that you notice? I think it was just the hop varietals is what they changed. Like I, you know, I I wish I had a bottle of Ruination to do a side by side. It it's. I mean, Ruination in and of itself, you, when you, I mean, those who are familiar with it, it had a great bitter hot punch. This kind of comes a little more fruity. It's still a hot punch, but I think it's more fruit flavors instead of that, like, really dank West Coast IPA, which is what it was. It's a little more tropical, I guess. Yeah, it has a, a, a maybe a subtle fruit. Oh, yeah, it's not, I don't want to make it, it's not a fruity beer. Yeah. It's uh, it's just like the, the fruit uh, from the hops is more what I'm saying. It, it's not... Yeah fruit fruit it's just kind of more of a tropical fruit note to it instead of yeah, yeah it's not uh it was just like the ruination the first one was just i remember being very dank very west coast oh, yeah. and that that's it didn't have that cat pee smell though are you a fan of that george because i no, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I that is the one thing i hate in most west coast ipas is that uh awful cat pee smell that some hops take into it and west coast people love it and i don't i don't get it Oh yeah, I love that. I just don't like when it gets that Simcoe cat pee. Well, nobody does. Oh no, some people do. Yes, that's no. I am not a fan of it either. But no, this is really. It's funny because like most IPAs to me, I think of like a a nice sunny day or something like that, like a nice relaxing. But I don't know if it's because it's Stone. Because they they were like I've talked about it on on my other radio show a lot. That Stone was kind of one of the craft first craft breweries that I ever had that got me into it. I remember being on the West Coast like oh. Almost 15 years ago now, which is holy shit. <sighs> yeah, it was it was getting a bottle of arrogant bastard, and uh, we were on tour, and everybody used to buy you know the standard tour beers, the Bush, <laughs> Keystone, Natty, you know whatever the cheapest was, the five dollars for a 12 pack shit. And I don't know what we were walking down the beer aisle, and I saw arrogant bastard on the shelf. And I thought it was it was only four bucks, I believe, on the West Coast. It was four or five bucks for the bomber. And I saw the ABV, and I thought well, this will, I'm fine with this, and we'll try it. And it just kind of from that point on, it kind of really got me more into it. And uh, I just always had a soft spot for Stone from that point on. And just no matter what they come out, they always want to try. And they also don't let you down, regardless of how huge they've gotten. They still are a very capable brewery. They haven't become watered down versions of themselves now that you mention it actually i think arrogant bastard might have been one of my first craft beers as well it puts people off though i will say that some I, people i would say my my reaction definitely was off-putting yeah i was like i don't know how to take this but at that point too you know it, it was a reasonable amount of money that i was like all right i'm gonna drink the whole thing yeah <laughs> i made a commitment to this yeah i'm finishing this damn thing and once i finished it and i was like okay you know maybe i could be, be a little bit more now i think my yeah. For it. You know, I think at the time I wasn't ready for something like that because I didn't know what to expect. I never had anything like that before. Now I, I, I definitely have more of an appreciation for it. Yeah, and, they, and it's great because it's, it's still a beer that uh, people try to replicate even. Like that's one. Stone is very willingly given out nearly every recipe of every beer they've ever made. Like you can find something they've released that they, they don't care, but the one they won't give out is Arrogant Bastard. And people still are trying to copy it and can't hone it in perfectly. And it's just funny to see people after all these years still going after that one. But what's nice with this, like I think it's because of Stone's marketing and the way they are, but I think of more like a, instead of like sunny things, I think of more aggressive, hardcore metal type stuff like I would enjoy. Not not, not the, uh, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face 
angry type stuff. But I mean, maybe if you have enough for this, <laughs> you might. You might if you're that guy. If you're the angry drunk, I'm not. But there's always one around somewhere. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. You were going to say, I am. <laughs> yeah, so over here. <laughs> um, but no, like to me, like, I don't know. I know we had talked about music a little bit, like with some of this stuff, but like I grew up, like I was like a big, were you a big hardcore punk kid when you were younger, George? Or were you? Uh, I wouldn't say really hardcore punk. Like I, back in the day, it was, you were more like pop punk. Yeah, I was more pop Oh. Punk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been hell ever since. Yeah. But uh, but I, I I think then I think that's you were really into that stuff. Oh, definitely. So were you like a newfound glory fan and saves a day. Back in the day, yeah, like I still newfound glory is still putting out good stuff. Um, I remember seeing them. Did you go to the home base show? I don't want to get too local because then is we're. That the, is that the one they got beat up at? No, I don't remember them getting. Not that I know of that. They did? Yeah. I've been there for other shows and that happened. I don't remember because I was only there. I saw them. I don't I don't want to go too local referencing because local references get you local work. Right? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, like Tinks back in the day. I remember seeing them there. Yeah, they played with Glassjaw. Yeah. And I used to actually, like, from that, because I, I had bonded with Chad because we I was backstage talking with them about stuff. And, like, we knew all the same people. like, And I used to talk to them a lot. And then we wound up going to see them down at home base and that was a show like everybody like flooded the stage and it was like oh man this is like good like i, I miss those like that's i was actually reminiscing about that because it's like we don't have that around here anymore like a good venue for stuff like that and no. I, was, I was actually just having that discussion today because uh i'm not like uh, all these music venues are you know having issues and uh well they're gone completely and uh mountain sky i just saw today um might be done venue and they're like the nicest people in the world they have music festivals there all through the spring and summer and the township is shutting them down for some reason and from what i've heard it's like petty noise complaint kind of Mm -hmm. stuff and they are like in the middle of nowhere so i don't even know who would be complaining about this other than it's like one of those things where i just don't like those type of people so i'm just going to get them shut down no matter what i don't care once you get the nimby people involved it's you're kind of done for Yeah, because I mean, like growing up, I mean, I remember when I was younger, it was funny. My my parents, you know, I got into punk when I was probably twelve, and uh, it was just kind of one of those things. Like I always wanted to go to shows, I wanted to do stuff, but I don't know what my parents thought was going to happen. But I think in their mind, they pictured like you walk in the venue, uh, someone holds you down, injects heroin into your eyeball, and uh, you're hooked, and that's you know what happens there. So I'm not allowed to go. <laughs> so I never got to go to any shows when I was growing up. And then probably when I was about 16, I started to be able to, because I got a car and was able to, to go. And I remember going to like see like, you know, CCs, like all these things that locally that we grew up with that were like legendary venues and getting to see like I Dillinger Escape Plan. I remember I got to see it like there. And that was one of the best shows, like late 90s, original singer. And they uh, covered Rain and Blood. And it was, I still, that is still one of my top like five shows I've ever seen. Cause I just remember, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know anything about them. 
I had just went to see them and I just remember like my jaw hitting the floor when they started because I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then they decided it was one of the only times they ever covered it and they were like, we're going to do a cover and they just start going to that. I'm like, holy shit. Like I just lost it. And they used to have a guy um, doing halogen lights. Like they didn't, because this is this was before them having any money. They were playing small things. So they had their own light guy and they just bought like, you know, Home Depot halogen lights like on a stand and the guy would just turn them off and on with like the breakdown beats. Well, when you get to like the breakdown and rain and blood and you just see like kids losing their fucking mind, like killing each other and lights just going off on. Uh, and like you just see like people punch each other in the face, then blackness. Another guy getting thrown somewhere and blackness. It was just like, oh my. Yeah, it was just intense. I'm like, oh my God. And it just like from that point on, I was like, I'm into this, <laughs> like totally on. And getting to like see all these like amazing bands and like to me that's what I kinda get out of this. Like I think of like coalesce. Like I, I was really into I don't know if you guys were into like the whole math core and you said you were a punk kid, pop punk kid. Yeah. The whole math core stuff, it was just like really odd time singing. Just like like a Dillinger escape plan, there was this coalesque or botch. That was the guitarist for Minus the Bear was in botch before he went and did Minus the Bear. And that was another one. like I was I was so surprised that they caught on the way they did like they have like minus the barracks i remember going to see them like when they first started out and they were great it was just i never saw them where they're at now it just like surprises me that they went to this height of popularity because i never saw that coming but they've really caught on which is awesome to see that but it's just it's just sad when you look, look back at like all these forgotten I, I i hate getting to be like i feel like now i'm becoming that guy that's like back in my day and like it's right it's just like i feel like things are so different now yeah and it's just like it's it's just things are become so different even that scene like i can't listen to what is because i remember when i started getting out of it it was when the whole metal core movement really started to come in and there were some good ones in the beginning i liked it and then it just became this I don't know, everyone started getting their hair done. And I don't know, it was just like weird to see that transition. Because I remember, to me, being there and being part of it, I remember seeing, uh, remember the band 18 Visions? I don't know if you guys remember. Okay. Because they they came out with uh, Vanity, their album, which was an awesome CD. But that was the first introduction of, that I recall, of fashion forward into that scene. Like, in their promo shots, they were wearing mascara and like they were all dolled up and, and no one really thought anything of it, but it was just, that was the first introduction of that. And then from that point on, it just permeated everything. It's funny how uh, a lot of the, the success that that came from was a direct result. And maybe it's because, you know, we're growing up where we're getting such ideas as, uh, you know, the glam metal and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, they're the toughest, most badass guys, and even they were. Just oh, they weren't in the beginning. <laughs> doing it, and then you know, eventually there was a huge backlash of that, and I think you know we really maybe started getting into music right around that time of that backlash. Yeah. Where, um, you had more of these. Hard it was bands. all about the music, man. Yeah, it was more. It was more about you know rebelling against the mainstream and about 
real metal, so to speak, as opposed to, you know, this, this more, you know, uh, every rose has a thorn yeah. kind of shit. And um, it's, it's unfortunate that it's, I think it started going back that way again, where it's like, okay, we're going to combine these two ideas where we're still going to be yeah, you know, it, pretty boys and everything else and marketable, but we're going to try to keep our sound so that maybe we can get the, the kids who are so into the sound and it just, it, yeah, it felt fake. It felt like a marketing. Yeah, well, it, anything. Once you introduce something where there's a a uniform, we'll say, yeah. it, it kind of just starts to to fall apart. I mean, even like, even the pop punk stuff. I mean, that was you know, if you went to one of those shows and you didn't have dicky shorts on and like a band T-shirt and the Saucony sho- and the so- and <laughs> Saucony shoes, like you need to have. And if you don't have that, it's like you just. It's a different thing. Like once that uniform comes in, then it's just kind of it's an inevitably going to fall down because then you're you're ripe for ridicule. Right. And like once that comes in, it's kind of like and that's where that that whole scene is gone because that's become the joke of it is the big hair. And it's funny because it's like we were growing up and that was the thing like big hair. And now you see quote unquote metal again having big hair and all this stuff. And it's like what happen and like why why did this it's just it's always a slow thing and it's funny to think back because i don't know i can't really say to me i remember it being 18 visions being the one that that really was where that started i don't know if that's 100 percent because i mean if you really go back i mean you're gonna go back to like new york dolls and everything that inspired the whole glam rock thing to begin with Yeah. To me, anyway, I didn't feel like that was a band that was doing it specifically for that reason. It seemed like they weren't part of the trend; they just started. The yeah. Trend, so they're not really to blame per se, but you know, yeah, you definitely see that influence. Yeah, and that's what it, I would even say that about them. Like, if it is Eighteen Visions is guilty of introducing it to the scene, that that album was still a really good album, right. and like it, they were just kind of doing what they wanted to do. I don't think. I don't think anybody that ever sets those trends ever sets out going, I'm going to change this. I'm going to do, well, I shouldn't say it that way. They don't ever think of it going to becoming a trend. They just kind of, I want to do what I want to do. And then it becomes that. Maybe they are trying to, you know, go against the grain and change something or do something different, but they don't know that's where it's going to go and then become a watered down joke. Or you have like a weird situation like the Sex Pistols who, you know, were so influential, but at the same time they were really manufactured. They're a boy band, basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you had, you know, corporate interests that, you know, had, you know, specifically put them together and marketed them the way that they did. And, you know, they're see- they're still seen today as this, you know, this big rebellion and this big start of so much and everything. And uh, a lot of the bands behind the scenes really never got any credit because mm-hmm. of that. And now, you know, you, you can get a Sex Pistols credit card. For like oh, yeah, I saw that. Less <laughs> punk you could possibly be than that. Well, if you go in, I forget, I remember someone was talking about it, and they, they said, well, if you go in to, let's say, The Gap, and you destroy everything, and then say, put it on my card, and you throw that down, <laughs> that's the only way you can be punk with that credit card. <laughs> Other than that, it's just... And, and even then, like, you know, I, I would say, yeah, okay, maybe the, the, the one album they put out was a little overrated, but it's still a pretty solid album. It's a, it's a fun listen, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know... At the same time, like like my gateway into like metal music and stuff like that was most of the stuff that the the hardcore metal fans or the diehard metal fans would consider the the bad 
hippy shit, you know, the stuff that, you know, is, is, is lame and corporate. And Are you going to say black metal, uh, the black album from Metallica? Because <laughs> that's usually the one that everybody goes, oh. Is it Limp Biscuit? In fact, it, no, no, no. It was, <laughs> it was not. It was, it was more um, like Slipknot, Seven Dust, uh, you know, bands like that that are actually still around and are still surviving mm. this whole time. Um, there was a few of those friend bands, you know, that were were mixed in there and stuff like that. But you're just getting to know it at that point. Yeah. And I think uh, new metal gets this this bad rap, but at the end of the day, it also kind of gave birth to. Uh, more more of the uh, melodic metal that we see today and you also get like uh like i'm i'm a big fan of the the swedish like gothenburg sound and stuff oh like, like at the gates and yeah. i love and oh. i wouldn't say they're they're influenced in that sense but i think that's a main reason why that was successful over in america yeah too, because people were more used to the idea of mixing those types of vocals and, and those uh types of music together and so i think that gave way to some of the popularity that you see stuff like in flames and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah that, you know i'm a i'm a huge fan of that and i consider that more of like 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 real metal now yeah you know than anything else but um but even then you know you bands like in flames are are criticized for oh they they you know they hit they, this point yeah now everything's now they out. sold out everybody sells out at some point i'm like especially in metal and people say that because like i'm like well to me selling out means you're making money and like most of these bands, like maybe they change their sound, but I don't, I wouldn't call them selling out because they're probably making a lot less than they were at their height of their popularity. Yeah, yeah. Especially a band like in flames where it's like, you know, their height of popularity was, Oh wow. Their video was on headbangers ball. They've made it like that was their popular. They never were multimillionaires. Like I'm surprised that some of them can even, you know, eke out a living doing it. I, I think, I think a lot of them just go in a natural direction. Mm-hmm. Whatever they not the same stakes as there were in you know if you have a major you're on a major label and things like that and you're trying to sell uh specifically to certain markets and stuff then yeah you'll hire writers and change things to yeah. fit whatever the trend is at the moment and stuff like that but i mean these guys i don't think are really no. doing that in any way you know to, to say well, well they got you know more of this or more of that or whatever i don't get that no especially in that scene i mean like even like at the gates i mean to me i remember like slaughter the slow is still like one of my favorite albums ever i remember having i think i still have that on tape i I think i still have the tape i don't even know but like that album was so influential and then that really in america changed that whole that's where a lot of the bands that became quote-unquote metalcore took a huge influence was from at the gates and carcass like heartwork when that came out those bands influenced so much and then they kind of disappear. Like I know at the gates and carcass are back together and carcass has, they, they have new albums coming. It's like, which is awesome. And they, you know, didn't quote unquote sell out. They came back with like authentic, good fans are going to love it. Albums. And, and to me, you know, uh, a lot of that stuff, like I don't really, ha- I don't feel like I have to apologize for that. Like I, I went to, you know, Slipknot was just here in Scranton a few months ago. I went to see them and I had a good time. I brought my little brother. Never seen anything like <laughs> yeah. That. So I saw in him what I saw in myself, you know, 10, 15 years before that, seeing them and going, oh, wow, this is really great. Mm-hmm. And stuff like, cause he never experienced that before. Now, you know, some hardcore metal fan is, oh, well, yeah, you know, you should be seeing Slayer and this and that. I've seen Slayer, too. Enjoy them. I've seen all those other bands. And I have, have a good time at those shows, too. But I'm not going to, you know, suddenly 
abandon that or apologize for liking that at some point because it's like, oh, it's not cool or it's not fitting well, that, into it, a certain trend. Like, that's ridiculous. A lot of it has to be like, why are you a fan of these things in the first place? Are you a fan because it's cool or are you a fan because it's it, just something you like? Like, regardless. And if it's something you like, regardless, yeah. it doesn't matter if it becomes popular. If it's If you're into something solely because it's underground or not popular it's the same thing as being into something because it's popular and everywhere there's no difference if the only reason you like it is because it's not popular it's the same thing as you know buying something everybody else is buying i almost see it as like like because i mean i listen to a lot of like you know uh slow stuff too and stuff from other genres you know but um i kind of feel like that stuff is maybe like more pop metal you know Mm -hmm. where it's like it's it's you know it's easy to put it's maybe easier to put together it's more catchy things like that you know, sticks in your head. Maybe I just want to pop that on and listen to that on the way to work, you know, on yeah. the radio or whatever. You know, like maybe that's what I, my driving music. And then, you know, I get home and I listen to something that's considered more legit, quote-unquote, you know. Got to keep it real. Yeah, I mean, either way, I don't, I don't see, like, you know, what the big deal is about that. And, and you know, picking people's, you know, uh, music apart, I think, is, is just... Oh, yeah, that's... I mean, especially, like, you know, George Sainz and the pop punk and everything. Like, I remember that whole thing, like, when that blew up and became a big thing i think that that's that's one of the genres where a lot of the people that were ahead of the trend curve of that took a lot of shit as it took off because then you have all these like replicating awful god-awful bands putting out stuff that were just rip-offs of other artists and it but it made everybody get shit on and in a ruin like that whole thing just imploded onto itself which is sad because it's like there were some like really like some of those like albums like kind of bring back like good like the first Newfound Glory album or like Saves a Day like like that's it just brings back like good memories of just kind of relaxing even like Midtown yeah I, I actually got to see Midtown too which was awesome I remember going to see Midtown and I had a, a Lifetime hoodie on and I remember they're going on I was like backstage and Gabe's like that's fucking awesome and I didn't know what he was talking about I'm like what are you, what and I looked down, I was like, oh, oh, thanks. And like, there was like, they were so good when they were like really going. Like, they were so on it. And I was like kind of bummed when, do you remember, actually, do you remember, uh, I forget what ep- what season it was because I had given up on the show after like the first season, MTV Real World. There was some season where like Gabe wound up like fucking some girl on the show. <laughs> And then like happened on the show, yeah. And like, cause they they went to a they went to some concert. All I remember was some blonde girl, and she was talking to the singer of this band. They never said the name of the band, and they had him blurred. So I think he was just like, no, fuck, no, I don't. Or his management was like, no, we're not letting him go down this path. But then it came out like that's that was him, and yeah. And then not too long after, like Midtown kind of fell apart, and then Cobra Starship started, which is like, oh. I I just remember, no, I remember the first time I heard them, I didn't like them, and then I heard that he's in them, and I was like even more bummed out. So I'm like, all right, I didn't like them anyway, and then oh, really? Like that's where you went with that? Because they were good songwriters, like they had like really good stuff. They actually just played, I think last year or the year before, they did uh, have their concert in Fairfax. Oh, that's right, I forgot they did get funny about the other. I never went down. We were, I one of my old punk bands used to play, and we we're supposed to play that one year. I don't remember what. 
everything I, I think anything I can reminisce about, it fell apart for some unknown reason. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Yeah, that is true. Every, you can't you can't uh, make it. <laughs> There's no point in making it. <laughs> but that, that's like a whole scene like I miss. Cause I remember being around that, like going to a lot of those shows and going down to Philly all the time and like seeing a lot of shows like Electric Factory and all that stuff. And like there was a lot of like good bands that were high energy and really fun. And then once that scene starts to have like that uniform and the replicating of it, and then it just falls apart. And then everyone kind of suffers, even like the ones that were good and writing good material. And it's just like uh, everyone... I mean, Saves a Day is still going, which is amazing to me. That's like, I can't fathom, like, wow, really? You, you hung in there, like, that long? Because there were so many bands in that scene that just collapsed. And I remember seeing a bunch of them, like, all the local places going to see, like, uh, do you remember Gray AM? They used to play with a lot of, they were from Pennsylvania. They played with Metro a lot. Yeah, yeah. They, there was, that was another one that, like, I, that was one of the bands I remember seeing have a meltdown live, because I, the, the, <laughs> They went through like 500 guitarists and one of them I remember being at a show got fucking hammered and this is in the day of, this is going to date us because we remember these, the days of message board feuds. Oh, yeah, and uh, someone had been like posting about them on a message board and he decided, it, it, they weren't even the headliner. There was a, I think um, Drowning Man was another band I, I loved. They were going on after them and he decides to throw his guitar at the wall and started cursing out everybody there, calling everybody a fucking asshole and a fucking coward and like all this stuff because like they're posting on the message board. And I'm like, what are you doing? And the other band, like they're just standing there like waiting for him to be done because they thought they were headlining. <laughs> and you want to talk about seeing someone while I'm tucking their tail between their legs because once they realized that, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> they had to like walk away and someone else go up and play because I was like, no, that wasn't the end. There's somebody else, and you just made an ass out of yourself. <laughs> and it's like those are the things. Like you're you're never gonna get those days back. Like that's that that ship has sailed. Because yeah. it's like I, I I just remember those old days of the message boards and oh god, yeah. like the Cafe Metropolis message board. I remember that being a lively area for a lot of people. And it's like it's it's so weird like to see how it's become Facebook now, where it was I don't know what. The, there's a difference, but it's kind of hard to like pinpoint it because message boards were pretty instant and people were always checking them, but it just felt more personal. Because there was really, like, you could have whatever picture up, you could have whatever name. Like, now with Facebook, if you're going to yeah. argue with someone, you know, you're either arguing with someone with their actual picture or their car or photo. Like, you don't know if you're talking to a person or a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm talking to a transformer. <laughs> But it's like it's just those those days. It's just so weird to like see how it's come to where it is now, and it's just the loyalty I feel is like different too. And like we see that with places closing down. And you know, I think with the message boards too, it's such a focused thing on on a specific group of people and stuff. Facebook is too general. Where yeah. You see everyone and uh, like the unfortunate thing that like I see is is uh, the only reason that I I, I actually never had a MySpace at all. Oh my ever. god. I I was the one holdout. George, are you scoffing too? <laughs> George is shaking his head. <laughs> I'm not getting one of these things. And I, and I'm me, staying on Friendster, God damn it. I'm not. It's coming for back. For how many years, I would not do it. The only reason I got one is when I was a reporter, I had trouble getting a hold of some people, and I would send them something on Facebook and get them right away. So I was like, okay, I have to have an account for this. And then once I launched my website, then it was like yeah. obvious. 
last company I worked for had to do social media stuff, so you have to have an account to get into the social media uh, stuff so you send it out. So, of course, then you get into Facebook and yeah. stuff. Twitter, I kind of have an autopilot for the most part. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just kind of post stuff when I can or, or you know, I have an RSS feed that posts to it. Because um, I'm not, like, a huge fan of Twitter. I don't, I, it's not that I don't get it. It's just that it's not my personality. That yeah. Um, I need more than 140 characters. I don't want to post like 10 things to get my rant out. I have to post 10 tweets. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And then uh, it, when people do that, too, they expect you to read all of them. Like, yeah. Hit, like, and bro- broken up. It's stupid. But, like, with Facebook, it's uh, you, you, you end up being friends with a lot of people for business reasons or for, you know, certain connections. You know, some people you, you like, oh, I see this person and now I have to friend them because if I don't, then, like. Oh, yeah, it becomes a personal slight, yeah. And they're going to look at me like, oh, why didn't you friend me on Facebook or whatever. It's like, it's stupid. So I'm friends with a lot of people that, like, I completely disagree with on a lot of things <laughs> and stuff. And I just have to block them out of my feed and pretend like they don't exist. because, And that's the problem is, is then, you know, when you post something that you're passionate about or you want to discuss or whatever, then you get all these people who just jump on you because mm-hmm. they don't feel the same way that you do or they see the world in a different way and stuff. And with the old, you know, message boards and things, at least you were, fr- for the most part, hanging out with people that, like, you know, you actually, that actually Yeah, you knew, yeah. Thing and, and, you know, wanted to talk about the same stuff. And now it's just, like, Facebook is almost just very, um, it's, it's angry all the time. You know, it's always oh, yeah. complaining and whining about stuff. And that's the stuff that does well, too. Like, it's tough because, you know, any PA team is mostly positive. And so it's harder to get, it's actually harder to get people to share positive news mm-hmm. than negative news something bad happens then if you post that i notice it just gets more shares it gets more people to talk about it and it's sad but that's the way yeah it is. and that's why the media is the way it is too because like you know people blame the media all the time uh about how they you know manipulate people and it's all you know you know blood and guts and that's what sells and you know it's a bleed that leads and that kind of stuff and that's true to an extent they're a big part of that and at the same time we feed into that oh yeah they're only answering to what we are demanding, right. basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's so funny to think back because I remember getting a Facebook account when I was going to school in Boston because it, it it started up there. If you if you saw what the hell was the movie called? Social Network. Yeah, Social Network. It's like, I couldn't remember the name of it. Um, I remember getting an account when I was first up there, and like I ha- you had to have a school account to have it, and there's only a couple. On, and the only reason I remember going. And kids in my class were like, oh, do you have a Facebook account? Like, what the hell are you talking about? And I eventually looked it up and was like, oh. And they're like, no, it's a really cool way you can actually meet people that you know you have things in common with while you're at school. Like, it makes it a lot easier to meet kids at college. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, like, signed up for it. And, like, you could only see people at your college. I could only see people at, at this Northeastern University. That was it. I couldn't see anybody else at a different school. And then as I was friends with them, you could become – friends but it was way more sectioned off and it was i don't know what year did they change they they finally opened it up to you didn't have to have a dot edu and that's when it like really took because they were only going at those like select markets and it wasn't what it is now it would only you would only see stuff really that was basically school related from i mean i don't i don't really i'm still even now not really super facebook guy because i'm like i just if i have something to say like i'll just talk to somebody or whatever it's just kind of like sharing things and stuff like that like i don't really I don't know how people do that. I can't sit and like scroll through my news feed and like, oh, look what so and so is complaining about. Like, I don't really fucking care. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so weird because I remember thinking back to that and it's just, 
I never would have foreseen it going the way it did. Even MySpace, I mean, like, I don't remember MySpace being that uber negative as it did. And I think maybe it was, you know what, it might have been because Facebook, you have no choice but to see someone's annoying, pissed off rant about something. MySpace, you had to click on it. Because remember, you only saw the header. You had to physically go to Yeah, you had to want to see that. Yeah, and then but they had those message. The, did they call it a message board? I don't remember what they called it, because you would sign in. They had you would see your top eight, which always led to issues. And then you would see, I think it was like a message board or whatever they call, it, and you would see like the top four things that friends had posted. But if you wanted to see what the hell they're talking, about, you had to click on it. So it kind of made you a little more invested. And then I think you could reply as a message. I think is how it worked. And like that was how it was, but it was much more sectioned off and closed. Whereas now, like everything on Facebook is like just open for everybody. And it, it sucks too because it uh, changed the way that we consume the information. Especially yeah. Because you know, like you said, it's in a feed format, uh, so it's constantly being updated and pushed at you with new information, new information. And uh, so people now wait for things to come to them. Yeah. Like there's no. There's no seeking out things anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people don't really search for stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. News even anymore. They want the news to come to them, and you have to keep bombarding people all day with content and keep pushing it out at different times and stuff like that to reach people. Uh, you know, okay, this person's still working, but this person, you know, doesn't. So you know, you want to hit both of those people, yeah. and you have to hit them at different times and in different ways. And it just became so much more complicated to get stuff out. There's not a lot of loyalty when it comes to websites. Like I remember when the the internet started, uh, and we talked a little bit about this, you know, last week and stuff about the early days. You were kind of, you bookmarked your favorites, and you yeah. go there all the time. Homestar Runner. I used to go to that one all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> like, stuff like that. But now we, we wait for Homestar Runner to... Yeah, let us know when something's new. Yeah. Oh, there's a new one. Come, yep. come check it out. You didn't just go, like, like in the old days, you just went yeah. to the site hoping that there was something new there. And, you know, you bookmarked a lot of your sites and just mm-hmm. went there over and over. And the same with, like, news sources you use. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Google News is a big part of that too now, uh, where you're almost like, oh, I heard there was uh, a, you know flooding in Texas or something. So you just Google flood in Texas and, and something will pop up. Yeah. It. And whatever the first thing is, you click on that, and that's that's what you're that that's how you get your information now. Instead of saying, oh, I like the New York Times and how they report on things, so I'm going to go to NewYorkTimes.com mm-hmm. and see what they have. And that's what leads to a lot of things uh, you'll see like the. Uh, you know, basically misreporting a ton of stuff because people will click on some of these sites that are notorious for misreporting information and they'll start passing it around as if it's real and then all of a sudden it becomes a thing. And, and you have people too, uh, you know, like in, in the, the feed format, you have the danger of, of people don't actually even click the article. Yeah, they'll just read the headline, yeah. That they're, they're just reading the headline and whatever the headline says, that's the news. And they're already commenting on it and talking about it as if they read the article and it's mm-hmm. And it's sad because then you see some legit news sources grabbing it without reading it and reporting it and then yeah. getting their heads handed to them, which, which know, is deserved. Com- yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Recently, 
they're now they're in competition with the stuff that's not legit at all because that's just getting traffic. And how can Howard Stern compete with this with Baba Booey? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> those are the classics. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's the reason that he went the way he did with now he's, you know, yeah. I mean, like America's Got Talent and stuff like that. I think the old Howard Stern, you'd go, oh, he would never do that. You, that would be considered some kind of sellout. Movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it's a natural progression for him yeah. now because there is nothing shocking anymore. Like anything he says, it's like yesterday's news. Yeah, like there's there's some kid on the internet who said something much worse. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like he used to be, you know, he was dangerous because he had a microphone. Well, now I mean, look at us. Like we're, yeah, we're yeah, and like and he could do and say whatever he wants. And now it's just like it's not. People are like you're saying, looking for the stuff. Whereas like Stern. Stern was the thing, like all of us, I, I'm sure, like as we were, when we were younger, like, you're flipping through the dials and you come across it and you're like, what the fuck is this? And like, because you, maybe you heard about it, but it was more like you kind of stumbled upon it. And it was just so different because he's saying all this stuff that like you don't normally hear on a radio. Right. And it was like controversial, especially when you're a teenager and he's talking about boobs. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so you just kind of like get grabbed into all that stuff. And now that's nothing. Yeah, he's a fantastic interviewer. Yeah. To, to ask. Yeah. Because, you know, most of these guys do these stupid press junket interviews. Mm-hmm. And it's the same answers, the same questions, and it's all rehearsed and it's all yep. bullshit. And he kind of gets a little more real with people yeah. and, and gets them to say things they don't normally say That's, about it. He's definitely he's a phenomenal. Kind of scandal, he's just going to ask them outright. Yeah. Did you do this? And he's going to press them until they get a real answer out of him. So I do respect him for that. Yeah, that's definitely the one thing. Like He's definitely taken himself into that direction of being a phenomenal like if you want to learn how to do a proper interview, like listen to him, and because he's not, he's asking those questions, but it's also he's doing it in a way of like really getting to know the person, feeling them out, getting comfortable. It's not like like I mean, Larry King's interviews are always funny to listen to too, because he'd ask you like one or like he'd sit like ask you like yeah, I talk to him, but he would sit down and do an interview with somebody and be like, oh, you know what, you know what was it like growing up in Alabama, and then oh, you know what did your father do as a kid? Why did you rape those kids? Like he would just like. <laughs> throw he would just like make you feel a little comfortable and then throw you off balance and then kind of reel you back in because it's like you kind of when you get someone uncomfortable like that you're going to get a real answer because they're not just falling in the comfort zone of yes no yeah like throwing those uncomfortable things out teeter someone off and you're going to get a real answer which for better or worse like that's what winds up happening with those interviews and it gets kind of be a little difficult or you could sit down and have a beer with them maybe that'll get a little loose lips yeah Oh, you I want should do more of stuff like that. Oh, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I would watch the hell out of it. <laughs> Celebrities getting drunk. Like, that should just be the show right there. Isn't that the E-Network? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm com- <laughs> Did they have the TV? They made a TV show of it? Actors, yeah. Oh, because he has a podcast. I didn't know they did a TV show of it, too. Yeah. All right. So, what did you think of uh, Ruination? Did you enjoy the 2.0? Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, digging on that. So, we're just cracked open. Now, this is one I, I have not had yet. This is Stone does their Stochasticity project, which I always absolutely hate saying, but uh, they do like some really crazy, weird beers within this one. I shouldn't say crazy, but 
Um, they did, uh, I remember their first one was like a grapefruit peel IPA, a big grapefruit one. Then they did one that was kind of divisive to a lot of people, uh, a golden stout. Did you have that one? Yeah, that really threw me off with the color. Yeah, the Master of Disguise. It was really, I, I liked that one. Um, I remember after it came out, there was a lot of people that were complaining about it. I didn't. Yeah, I I liked that one. It was, I think it was kind of one of those things that a lot of people were, because I remember talking, I don't remember, I remember having a conversation with somebody about it and they're like, oh, I didn't like it. And they said, well, why? And the reason kind of seemed more that it was just solely because of it being like, well, I wanted it to be exactly like a stout. Well, it's not going to be. There's no way. It's a golden stout, but it has a lot of different things going on. So it, it replicated it. I thought it was really good. But oh yeah, it, it reminded me of they they did a coffee IPA, uh, a Damon coffee IPA they did and was unbelievable. It reminded me of that a little bit in the nose. But this is their hi-fi lo-fi mixed tape, and it's a it's a blended of uh, a fresh and barrel aged ales. I have not had this one, so I think it's considered an American strong ale. But it's was eight eight point five percent, I believe ABV, eight point eight percent ABV. So you're getting a little beefy in this one, but. First time. We're all getting our cherries popped. So what do you think of this? The central front's a little confusing to me. That's I, a, yeah, it's I, I feel like I'm getting two different variations at once, but. It's definitely like, yeah, it's playing off each other. They're, they're, you're getting a little bit of that barrel age coming through. But it's it's not. It's interesting because it is like very like English. I'm trying to like read some of this as I'm like reading the saying this stuff, but it does come across as very like you get a lot of those like English mild almost, but with like a little bit of barrel age and a little bit more malt into into it. It's really good. It's just like a good sipping beer. Yeah. No, I'm glad I'm not the only one that's confused. Yeah. This. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and it's weird. It's just it's just weird because it's like because most barrel aged things when you're getting into that, you're gonna get a lot of those notes up front, like a lot of those you know bourbon or whatever it's being aged in. But this, it's because of the blend, it's kind of more subdued, and you get a lot of that malt in there too. So it's still a lot of the barrel, but then malt in the background. But it's it's a little warming too. Yeah, this is going for winter. This would be one I could sit down. The sit down with my smoking jacket <laughs> by the fireside. Yeah, yeah, it's a definite interest uh, living around here. I mean, there's so much stuff that just it doesn't make an ounce of sense. No, it doesn't. And it's also a great topic of conversation if you ever actually want to talk to anybody living in the area. Just mention the weather, and you'll have 45 minutes of conversation that you wish you didn't have because yeah. <laughs> you'll regret it immediately that's true i was uh my best friend lives up in buffalo i decided to go up one weekend and i left early on sunday because he said they were getting snow in like down 57 inches up there. oh god well that's how buffalo is that yeah 57 inches of snow for them is a two-hour delay on monday morning i remember the days living in boston like the, this year they got hammered um this the second snowiest winter, which is the one like only a few inches below that I was living there for that, and that was 
hell. Like I remember waking up and not even from the snow drifts, just the snow, my apartment door went open. I couldn't go anywhere. And it fucking like that was like pure cabin fever setting in because it was it, it was before, you know, the Internet was there. Like it wasn't like that long ago, but it was just not what it is now. And it was just a totally different thing. Like there was no Netflix like streaming and stuff like that. That was the days when you had to wait. Like, did you have Netflix when it first started? Did you get Netflix at all? No, not the latest. Did you have it? Like when it was just solely DVD? Because I, I remember I first had it, and I used to get, like, all these... The only reason I got it was I stumbled upon it somewhere. I don't remember where I saw about it, but I saw they had all these awesome horror movies. So I was like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this because I can get all these crazy ones that, you know, if I wanted to buy, it would cost me, like, $30. So I signed up, but it would took me two weeks to get a DVD in the mail. I would get the DVD, sit down, finally watch it, and then send it back and have to wait two more weeks for them to get it to then send me another one. So by the time everything was said and done, I was getting maybe a DVD, maybe two. If I was lucky, I'd get two a month. And that was all you got. And I, I don't even remember what they used to charge, but probably similar to what they're at now. And then I eventually, they eventually started getting caught up with it and made it a little more regular. And then I used to just get them. And that was when I got a DVD burner too. So I used to just get them, burn them, and send them right back immediately. <laughs> Instead of having to wait to watch a bunch of them, so then I stockpiled a bunch of movies that I probably still haven't even got a chance to watch. But and then they came out with this now, which just like changed everything, which is just such an awesome thing to have. And it's just so weird. I guess I, I think like where is everything going to go for the future? Because it's it's funny to think like we have a, I feel like we have a grounded thought process on like where we know where things came from. I guess as far as technology goes, because that's what's going to change the most in the next generations whereas opposed to like our parents and us it was the introduction of technology now it's the convenience of technology and where is that going to go like that's really what's going to be interesting with like the next generation because you already see that like entitlement changing and like all these things because they get whatever they want instantly yep. it, like they don't know any other any other way yeah, i'm not sure where we're going like right now everything is just instantaneous if you want something you don't have to wait for it mm-hmm yeah, and if you don't, and if if you can't find it on Netflix, well, you can find it on YouTube or you know somewhere else. Like you can find it somewhere instantly. It's it's not. Um, I don't know if that's sustainable, you know, in the long run. Yeah. You know, because then it just it, it breeds this like really unhealthy competition. You know, to the point where it's just uh, it, it just uh, it eats itself. You know, whether it's uh, you know big media or just from person to person. Mm-hmm. But I guess uh, you know, as a sci-fi fan, I mean, at least at least sci-fi will come out of it. It's uh, you know that that's always been the genre that uh, commentates on these things mm-hmm. and you know points towards well, what's next and you know what what does the what does the future hold for us and stuff like that. It's interesting to see like um, uh, just recently I was reading an article uh, about uh, the 20th anniversary of Hackers this year. Oh wow. Angelina Jolie's shining moment. No, oh, no, was was she in Hack? Yeah, that was Hackers. Okay, okay, yeah, her shining moment. To me, that's like that's as hot. Like everyone thinks, like Tomb Raider, like that was the height. Of I was thinking, uh, Geely. No, not was it Geely? No, what was the one she was? G- no, no, the one she was the model. Was it Gia? Geely is the Ben Affleck movie, isn't? It? <laughs> yeah, do you remember Angelina Jolie and Geely? <laughs> She finally went back and watched it. She just saw it, yeah. 
the article, uh, the idea was um, it was it was in New York, and they uh, they got a, a hacking group together that that meets in Manhattan and made them watch it. <laughs> and wow. now to see like if any of it was actually accurate or not, and like to pick it apart and stuff like that. And it wasn't like it didn't seem like the hackers were as informative as I thought they would be. I thought they would get a little more technical with stuff. But they did like talk about how like some of it was actually accurate because they did actually uh, consult a real hacker for a lot of it. Who wrote a lot of uh, groundbreaking uh, hacking material at the time? Like he had a newsletter and stuff, like an underground newsletter mm-hmm. that like would tell you how to do certain things and stuff. So uh, one of the characters even is actually uh, based on him and like stole like they used his name and stuff in the film and everything. So um, legitimately, they does does have a little bit of cred, but of course. Stuff that's played up is the fact that you have to make hacking look interesting. And yeah. Just people talking. You know, oh yeah, you're not gonna have like someone forty-five minutes. Someone just hear a keyboard sound and like, right. and then maybe drink a Mountain Dew, and that's like all you're gonna really get. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. And maybe have someone go, "Hey, ma, <laughs> I need some Tostitos." <laughs> it's known more for like uh, the the visuals and like the costumes and things like that, like the the way that people dress and. To me, it's most memorable because of the dialogue and yeah. things like that. But a lot of people remember it for, you know, like the the, the, where, the uh, wearables that they that they own and all that kind of. I haven't seen that. I, I think I remember, I remember seeing the came out, but I don't think I've revisited that in a long time. Yeah, no, I haven't either. No, I never do. Yeah. And and uh, I definitely have to watch it now. Like now, like because the, the 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 cool art the article was cool enough they actually had the the, the soundtrack embedded on the side. You can listen to the soundtrack oh, wow. while you're reading it, which <laughs> is such a great idea. And uh, so, of course, I listened to the whole soundtrack, man. And, and, and it's actually like, you know, it's funny because the movie bombed, but they had two more volumes of the soundtrack. Wow. The soundtrack yeah, it was so good. Popular. Yeah. And it really was uh, a big introduction to electronic music for a lot of people. So, and a lot of the, even the hackers admitted, like, a lot of them got into hacking because of the movie. Like, they saw it and it was influential in the sense that they wanted to learn more about it because it looked intriguing, and then it got them interested in the actual part of it, you know? So and I think that's that's what a lot of films do, where, you know, they out, they, they stretch the truth a little bit, and they make it more interesting and more cool or, uh, you know, more fun for the actors. I started, going to, uh, I started going to amusement parks more because of Bay Bay's kids. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to drop a Bay Bay's kid. And I also started rollerblading because of uh, Solar Babies. Remember Solar Babies? <laughs> Please say, you don't remember Solar Babies? No. Oh, God, you have to. I, I don't have a copy of it. A friend of mine, we always ref on that movie so much because I don't know what it was when I was a kid. I fucking loved that movie. <laughs> it's. I don't think I could sit down and watch it now because I, I know it's awful. But it was just, it was uh, futuristic inline skaters. It's <laughs> basically <laughs> what it was. It's so, oh, uh, a little more sci-fi. There, there's like... I haven't watched it in a while, like to actually sit down and like remember scene by scene. There was like I remember one part that someone gets like eaten by ants and stuff. I don't. know. It's like a really fucking weird movie. It doesn't make any sense. And for some reason, I remember kicking around somewhere a few years ago talking about remaking it. I think it was supposed to be around now that it's supposed to have taken place. It was kind of during that uh, everyone jumping on the post-apocalyptic Mad Max, like where things are gonna go and we're all gonna be eating each other's shit and drinking pee inside and that's like kind of where that that movie was set in that post-apocalyptic world not as not water world but 
<laughs> Any movie that opens someone drinking their own urine, I mean, you know what you're in for. Especially with Kevin Conan. <laughs> I could watch him drink it for like three hours because that's the running time of all his movies. Like, if you could find a movie under two hours with Kevin Costner, I applaud you. <laughs> Besides Pink Panther. It's true. Like, I'm just, as you're saying that, I'm trying to think. I'm like, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, probably, there probably is, but it's probably one that just completely bombed. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I think he just got the script and he puts it on a scale. <laughs> and if it hits a certain point, <laughs> and he, will, he will judge if he's going to be in it or not. But getting back to uh, the whole hacking thing, uh, I just started watching a TV show the other day that started two weeks ago called Mr. Robot. It's on USA. Definitely worth checking out. Okay. Um, very accurate on the stuff that he's actually talking on computers, like what we're doing. Uh, the premise, he works for a network security firm during the day. At night, he's a vigilante hacker. Hmm. And it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, he's very socially inept, so the guy just beats kids up. But it's it's worth checking out. It's on, uh, I'm sure it's on a, a the current episode. But the way they list the episodes is great. It's like ep.120 underscore hellowworld.mkg <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. There's an extension for every episode. Oh, that's cool. But definitely worth checking out. Yeah, they, they, they had said that um, probably the most unrealistic thing I saw was the fact that the hackers were dating, you know, and they were <laughs> out on, on the old days. Uh, but the other thing was, was they said, uh, you know, Sneakers was a pretty good film. And I don't think oh. I saw that, uh, now that I think of it. I think it's was Robert Redford in that? Redford. Yeah, yeah, I remember, I vaguely remember it, but I couldn't. They said it was a little more ahead of its time. I think that was River Phoenix's last movie. Oh, really? Okay, that's. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, well, I, it's it about the time. You know, now yeah, it was '92, right? Right. Yeah, it was around the early '90s. Yeah. Uh, and they, they just because it was more like uh, the government spying on us, like type of stuff. You know, more of like the NSA things that we think of today. You know, they they said a lot of those messages were. In that's. I would like to go back and revisit a lot of those '90s ones because that like of where they were predicting the future to go. Cause I mean, like I know a few years ago, people went back to like the old sci-fi and like we're seeing how accurate some of the predictions were from like the fifties. And it's like there's no way, yeah. because the technology didn't exist. But in the nineties, we were just on the cusp of the internet, and it was it was out there, and people knew of it. And like it'd be interesting to go back and see some of these lesser-known titles of like where did they think we were gonna go, and how accurate were they? Because it'd just be a fun. I mean, sometimes it'd be fun too to see how wrong they got some of the things. I mean, like. Sure. Even like Back to the Future too. I mean, we should be you know having instant pizza and on our hoverboards right now. <laughs> We're going by, the, and it's like that's, I just love seeing where they thought technology was going based on yeah. the technology of the time. And and even then, it's still fun because uh, you know even if they're they're dead wrong on stuff, it's like they've created their own world and they've established it. So as long as they follow their own rules in that established world, they can really do whatever they want. Yeah. And it's more about like uh, you know the, the the general messages behind it. Like I think that's why like something like Back to the Future still works, where you can watch it now and you think, oh yeah, that's funny, that's cheesy or whatever. But there's still the the the, the real messages of, of you know where the heart of the film is, where the characters are, why they do what they do, and how they do it. I think that is what resonates with people, and that's yeah. why it's still watchable today. Yeah, and there's so many. I mean, a lot of it's a story, but I mean, the movie. If you don't have the characters, I mean, look at like the uh, adaptation of 1984. I mean, they made that in a film, mm-hmm. and it bombed. And with the, as a book, I mean, it's one of the most influential. Yeah, and you could read it today, and it's still just as scary. 
but like when they did the film of it, it just didn't go because that character, you didn't care about them as much and stuff. And like, that's the important thing. Even with like Brave New World is one of my favorite books. Like I've read that so many times and like, it's another one I can't see. I don't know if they ever, did they make a film of that? I don't, if they did, it was probably like a really un, because it's another one I could never really see them being able to, to do justice to. Because it's just like so much within a novel that character development of it. I just I, I, I see more of like there's just a constant remarketing of ideas where you know somebody takes stuff from you know take a little Fahrenheit four fifty one take mm. a little you know nineteen eighty four and just put it out for a new generation you know and, and uh, you know you see that every couple of years where people kind of take a general theme or a general idea like maybe a specific image that sticks out from those. And it builds like a new story around that and repurposes it and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, there's some merit to that in a sense because at least like maybe the same messages are still being yeah. conveyed. At the same time, you know, you do want to see something that's maybe pushing the limits a little bit more, you know. Or even that's jumping on to where we're at now because some of that referencing of things of that time period, yeah. they couldn't have seen where it was going. So it, it doesn't line up. There's, I don't think anyone could have really predicted some of the stuff that. Yeah. You know, Yeah. Now, now that I think we have a clearer picture of where things might be going and where things are headed, um, because you have so many tech companies that are popping up now and pushing whatever the next technology is or, or where things are going, like now it's almost considered like a natural progression. Okay, now we're here, so where can we go next? And uh, there's more of a focus on that, like uh, you know, because there's more companies trying to be the next innovators. They want to be the next Apple, things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's it's ripe for commentary and it's there's not a ton of it right now like uh, you see some maybe some cool independent films every, yeah. every couple of years that that will touch on those things um there's really cool and anything from like primer you know things like that um but there's not as many mainstream like big films i don't think that focus I, on that like, I, there's a lot of rehash stuff I, I think part of it is because you hear out of hollywood a lot that that no one's getting um those mid-range films anymore like you're either really tiny independent type, you know, deal to make the film like that that kind of budget or multi multi million dollar huge Michael Bay type movie. Yeah. There is no middle ground and I think for that kind of story it's got to be that middle ground. So that's what the tough thing is is trying to get that made because it's a little bit more involved than, you know, a $100,000 budget, but it's nowhere near 50 million dollars. It's around, you know, like a five to ten million dollar, and you can get a story, but no one's making those movies now, and that's it sucks. It, you know, it, it's it's kind of like how we were talking about uh, with music before. Um, you kind of see the same thing where there's like almost pop sci-fi in that sense. Like that's what's popular with Hollywood. Like they want um, like the superhero stuff, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we can get we we can get guys in tights beating the shit out of each other. That's pretty easy to produce something like that. Um, yeah, sometimes you're going to get a bit of a deeper film or a more interesting, nuanced film like, uh, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, and most of the time you're just going to get, you know, whatever the standard, you know, is, you know, for two Whatever made money last origin is what you're going to... Good guy, origin story, of bad yeah. guy, they clash, they beat each other up, three daggers at the end, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, that's that's for the most part. And then you, and you see a lot of stuff that, like, um, they attempt to... Uh, put something out that's a little like uh, you, get, you get movies like uh, Elysium or something, for example, where it's like it's trying to be a little heady 
and at the same time, it's also trying to like, oh, let's cast a mainstream actor. You got a guy who did a really good movie like like District Nine, which is awesome, and then you see him kind of trying to meet in the middle somewhere, where it's like, okay, we'll get Matt Damon in it because he's a recognizable name to a general audience, and I have a good idea here somewhere, but maybe it gets lost in the ho- the big Hollywood production and the the big budget and stuff like that, and and trying to market this and, oh, let's shoot this scene because it'll look cool in a trailer, like that kind of thing. And the, the message or the idea, the original ideas kind of get lost within that and stuff. And it just doesn't come out the way that it really should. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's the problem with a lot of it is you have, you know, it's like that old saying, like, there's too many chefs in the kitchen, you know, just trying to do too much and, like, saying, well, we need to appeal to this. Because it's all, it's sad because it is, and I understand it's a business at the end of the day, but it becomes basically a bunch of accountants sitting in the room and saying, well, this is what did best lat. And they, that's how they break down if they're going to do a movie or not. Not because this is a really good story. It, it becomes this. And you start, that's why you start seeing these things being churned out over and over being the same picture because they're just saying, oh, a guy doing this, this mouch, this person here, this one, this actor, this one here, this, this and that's how they make a movie. It has nothing to do, and it's it's sad because that's and, and it works though. Like that's why it's still being done. Yeah. They they haven't you know had a falter. Well, I'm sure they've had a falter. I shouldn't say that, but they haven't had a major falter where it shifted the paradigm of anything. Yeah. And it sucks. I mean, and it sucks too for us, like being like horror fans, because it's like as far as major releases, we're not the demographic for it anymore. It's all teenage, yeah. and you see that with like the Scream TV show that just came out, which is still like really. Like, I, just, I, just, I, I didn't see it, but I did re- read a, a few reviews of the first episode, and it just didn't. It, uh, I think it expressed actually exactly what you're saying. Where um, yeah, it's not our generation. The, yeah, yeah. If you're a fan of that, or you come from that last generation that was a fan. You are not gonna like this. Yeah, guaranteed. And I, I think you need to. I think for people in our generation, like we just need to understand that. Like, look maybe it actually is good. Like maybe that's something, you know, like when we were younger and we got into some of the movies that were coming out in the eighties that maybe were, you know, cause I'm sure some people that were like horror purists when, you know, return of living dead came out in the eighties were like, Oh fuck that. That's But to us, like that was of our, yeah, that was our generation. And it was like, that spoke to us and it's different. So I'm maybe, I'm not saying I'm not comparing the scream TV show to return of living dead. Cause I, it's not going that path. I can, I never even watch it. I can, I know it's not, but it's just like, let it breathe. And if like a couple kids get into horror things from that, like horror movies, that's cool. That that's, I'm like, you know, I, I don't like the idea of it, but. But then they could branch out. I mean, if they like this and they're like, all right, there's horror movies. Yeah. What else? Yeah. It's, it's like us with Jason Bjork. I mean, I, I grew up on PBR, Genesis, Budweiser, Miller Lite, and obviously I was not. Um, but then you get that one that kind of changes your perspective. Yeah, and and, and that and that and that comes from like us having that like nerd brain for lack of it, because it's like that's what we do. Like we we want to drill down into something. When you get that, like you know, you find that comic book or you find that horror movie or find the beer or whatever it is. And you're just like, oh, there's something like this. So who in like, because I remember being like when I was younger, that was my big thing Like with bands was like, oh, well, who influenced this band and go and listen to them and then start really drilling in. And then from that, you find, oh, who else did this band influence? And you start getting into that. Same thing with movies. Like you find a movie and you're like, oh, who's this director? Then you see that. And who influenced him? And you, and you start finding all these branches out of all these things. And it's like maybe it started from some 
bullshit thing that you don't like. I'm sure like going back to some of the movies that I got into, I probably can't pick out like, oh, this is the movie that broke me into, you know, obscure horror. I don't know if I could, but there was something that then I drilled down into and then it opened up this whole other world. And it's like, I mean, it's a little different for beer because of it being a taste, like, because the the taste memory is a little different. So, like, you kind of can click into that a little bit more of, like, oh, this is the beer that got me into it. Like, you just have that memory. It's a little more vivid. Like, you don't taste the movie. I mean, maybe you maybe you do if that's your thing, but I don't know. <laughs> <I'm not really laughs> this DVD tastes funny. <laughs> I'm never going to forget this. But like, you have that the taste memory just a little more alive in your head. So when you get into the whole beer world, like that just opens you up and and also touches into all the other senses and everything too with with having a beer versus sitting down to watch a movie. Because it's like most of us when we got into it, we were alone. Because I mean, very rarely you're gonna like even now it's like very rarely I'll I'll crack into an unknown weird obscure horror movie with someone else. It's like I don't want to subject them to this because I don't know I don't even know what I'm in for. So it's a little more alone, whereas if you're having a good beer, like you want to share that with people. Like that's kind of a, a thing. So there's usually someone else around. If you're sitting there by yourself enjoying it, then you're probably a little depressed anyway. <laughs> so I mean, it might just be a whole different world to you. So th- there's a lot more to it with that, like getting into this whole world of opening into it. Because I mean, I think all of us, when we can remember like that first like craft beer, it's always somewhere else. It wasn't, oh, because like, I mean, there's movies. That, oh, I remember seeing that. I was happened to be up late at night and it was on TV where it's like with a beer thing we were somewhere or someone gave us something or, or we stop in a random place and saw it. There's a, a, a story around it instead of just, I happened to step in dog shit and you know, it, it's, it was a story. It, it's not a happenstance. Yeah. You know, like, I, if, if you, if, if I, I couldn't think about that a few hours ago if I tried, but when you had, had described uh, about that, then I thought, oh, yes, that's right. It is, you know, really one of the first craft beers I ever had because it, you know, introduced me to something completely new that I hadn't tried before. So, yeah, you do, um, even if you don't think you remember it, you do remember yeah. it. Yeah. Your brain does somewhere in the yeah, it's it's so weird. Like the taste memory is just so different than than any other memory. And I know there's breakdowns of that, but like I couldn't tell you the whole science of that. But there's so much more going on in that than anything else because it it just has that thing that you can recall so much quicker than you can anything else. Or you know, we all struggle through like movie things, like oh, who is that, or or where did I see that, or, or anything like that. And I half the time. I mean, I piss off so many people because I'll start recounting watching a movie with someone and I'll be telling them about the movie and like, I just fucking watched that with you. Because I don't remember. Like, I don't remember who else was there as I'm watching it. Yeah, because it's like, I, I'm just like, if I'm watching a movie, like, I'm in the movie and I'm watching it and I have no idea if there's 10 people with me, one person, or if I'm sitting alone with my cat. I, I have no idea. Dude, that gets dangerous when you go from girlfriend to girlfriend. <laughs> God. And then you're gonna get in trouble. See, that's the one thing. The one thing I will say, I'm happy. Most of the time, when I watched a lot of like horror movies, it was by myself. So I know if I remember watching it with someone, it was either with a really close friend 
or the misses now and that's it i don't have any of that that's <laughs> that so i'm like i'm go with that because i never right. had that because if i've had friends tell me that had to happen to them before i'm like ooh, that's that's because then you're just trying to like oh, oh and i'm like no i know i'm good because i've always kind of been very with my horror movie stuff i'm like i'm not gonna subject anybody to this because God no, I mean especially some like because we're all into like weird fucked up like Italian movies. George finally watched The Beyond. Oh yeah, yeah great movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just talking to him the other day. You know, they re- they really just like all his other movies, they emphasize on ripping eyeballs out and like dogs and loving the children. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a weird Italian thing with a lot of them. Took Sargento did that a lot too. Like for some reason, the dog turns and rips someone's throat out. Like all right, because I remember it was. Uh, was it Deep Red or... No, it was Suspiria. Suspiria. Yeah, it was Suspiria. It was like the, the blind guy walking and all of a sudden it's just like the witch flies overhead and the dog turns on and rips his throat out. Like, oh, all right. That's true. I forgot she was blind too, yeah. It's just like... Fulci was funny. I was telling George because we were talking about last night and I said like, yeah, it's funny because he'll zoom in on the eyes for no fucking reason at all. There's no suspense. Like, no one's making that, uh, you know thousand mile stare of like whoa what are you talking they're just staring blankly at one another and the camera will shoot in on the eyeballs back and forth no one gets killed it's just and i, I remember like seeing like a lot of people were saying like, yeah it was just like a filler for him it, but it was so weird like, it, for some reason he loved eye horror i don't know where that came from and it was just like the, i think all of his movies pretty much have at some point someone getting their eyeball it's very much an Italian thing. yeah oh yeah I mean, even like zombie, I mean, you're talking about eye horror. I mean, that's like the quintessential eye horror ever. Yeah, I mean, when you think of the, the definitive scene, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I, I still remember seeing after the first time, it was like, they're like in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, they're going to cut. They're, they're going to cut. They're going to, uh, oh, oh, shit. Nope, oh, my God. And then you just see it like break off and you're like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> And that was when you were like, all right, I did, there's now the, the the whole wall has come down and anything's possible. A zombie can even fight a shark. <laughs> there's like anything possible now. And it was just like so much in that. And it's like, I always, I don't remember the first Fulci. I was trying to think on the other day. Like, I don't remember the first Fulci film I, I saw. I think it was House by the Cemetery. I think that was my first one. And I had, because a friend of mine and I, we used to go and buy like, bullshit movies that were like whatever's five bucks we'll pick it up and just have a laugh and i remember like we, we bought like texas chainsaw hookers like all these like just bad like we knew they were gonna be bad like it wasn't like oh maybe this is a good one and i think we bought that one at like uh best buy for like three dollars or something it was one of those uh diamond the diamond dvds they're like illegal prints of like whatever's in you know public domain type stuff and, like awful awful prints and I remember watching that, and it's like it's such a bad, bad print. Like you can't see anything. Yeah. And that's what's funny too with a lot of those DVDs. Like they have so many awful prints out there, and like you don't know what. And that's what's always tough when you talk to people about some of those movies. Like, what would you think of it? Like, oh, look, it was so fucking bad. But you don't know what print they got. Like George got to see the Beyond for the first time. Like he got I gave my uh, the Grindhouse Blu-ray DVD. So I mean, like he saw it the way it was supposed to be. I remember the first time I saw it it might've been one of those diamond things. And it was under the title seven doors of death. I think that's what it was called. Those one. I don't know if it was seven doors of hell or seven doors of death, but they, they had released it under that. And it was like, Oh my God, was that bad? It was yeah. such a bad print of everything. And like, I, 
and I, that was my first exposure to it. Like, whereas if I got to see it in that, you know, full 4K restoration Blu-ray, I'm like, holy shit, this is like a legit movie. Yeah. But seeing it then, it was like, I don't, I don't. They, they, some of them too. It was funny. Like some of the movies I've had, like you see, like the VHS track lines going through them and all that stuff. Because you're just like, wow, you couldn't even, you you couldn't even make an effort. <laughs> you just full on went for it and just copied a VHS tape into all this stuff. <laughs> Oh, and it, like you just see so much of that that they're just cheaping out so bad, and I don't know. And this one's getting out there though, and people see that, and it's like, oh, this is what the movie's supposed to be. And like, yeah, no. And, and it almost uh, a lot of times it depends on the film too. You know, like uh, sometimes you want that like cheap VHS experience. You know, what was a a shitty TV from like the seventies and stuff, but at the same time, like. You know, other ones you you do want it restored or, or put back to the way that it was. Yeah. You know, maybe it never got the chance that it deserved. You know, because oh yeah, and there's so much, releases. there's so much for us. I mean, in horror, that it's like it never got that chance, and it was there's there's so much of it too that's still, you know, never been released on DVD. That and then like we might never see again because a lot of them they've gone back. Like you have those companies like Scream Factory and and uh blue underground and synapse going back and trying to get rights to these films and they don't exist anymore like they don't have because half of the time the the studios that put them out just didn't give a shit and they didn't properly take care of them so there is no negative to go back and restore so they either have to work off a vhs copy which who the hell wants to attempt to do that or it just is is gone and there's like so many like because i have a bunch of vhs that are like that that's like they never came out on dvd and they just exist solely on VHS, which is awesome for nostalgia factor, but also nerve wracking when you put it in your VCR. You're like, oh fuck, if this is eaten, yeah, this is this is gone forever, and there's no way I'm getting it back because I'm not gonna find that random guy at a flea market selling this one. That's how I discovered a bunch of them, and it's like you're you're just you're they're done for, and it's like it's and it is fun. I mean, it's just like going to see you know a '70s movie in the theater with the cigarette burns and. It is fun, like watching a VHS and seeing the tracking line or the like bruh, sound as it like kind of goes through and burps a little. And it just brings back the nostalgia of like that whole. I remember like playing with the track, and that, that's the thing is funny too. Like, I don't want to say kids today. It, that's what I was about to almost lead off with, but with the VCR thing, like when we were kids, like, I remember like having that tracking button. You had to like you had to fuck with it. Yeah. Like it wasn't you got it. It didn't mean like you just pop it in, you're good to go. You had to earn that clear screen <laughs> you had to work for that just like our nintendo we had to like you know blow it out hit it a few times hit select and power off and i all and keep doing all our recent it's like we had to hit all these things to get it to work and then we got it to work we earned that <laughs> we earned that time on our our nintendo or it's like now it's just like put it in hit play you're good and think oh man you don't that's true you don't have to even put anything in anymore god damn kids <laughs> Oh yeah, push up and down a couple of times, yeah. You have to make that annoying ass clicking sound and then press power and that's Don't worry, I'm going to buy this brand new $50 game and then just like beat the shit. Out <laughs> <laughs> and you had it you would you would hit it on the side, blow it out a bunch of times, hit it. It's so funny cuz you know, that was before the internet. How the hell did we all know to do that? Right. Like that just went around like all of us had that same thing we all knew how to do that. Like I just wonder like who is the first guy that figured out 
to do that. And then all of a sudden it spread like wildfire to everybody. Cause instead of, cause I mean, in your own mind, like you would think like, oh, I'll just put it out and put it right back in. Like you wouldn't think to do all this shit, but somehow somewhere someone told us, oh, this is what you do. Yeah. And there was no internet. Right. And I don't think Nintendo Power covered that in any issue, <laughs> which would be awesome if they did how to properly play Nintendo and <laughs> they show you how to blow it out and all these things. I, I remember actually, I used to, I wrote to Nintendo Power when I was a kid because I got stuck on some game. I don't remember what game it was. Shadowgate. I just can't remember that one. That was a role playing. I used to love Shadowgate and I got stuck and I couldn't figure it out. And I wrote to them asking them what to do. They wrote back and told me exactly what to do. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. And now it's like, just hop on the internet and figure it out. I had to pen a letter, wait weeks, stuck in this same area for a response. And then I got it. And I was like, oh. And I got through that. And then I got stuck immediately again right after. <laughs> so it didn't matter. And then I went and gave it up on the game because I'm like, they're not going to do it for me twice. I just knew they weren't going to. Right. Yeah, I think they were small enough at the time. I mean, Nintendo Power really started off as like a fan club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of moves into like you know pitch sticks and reviews and stuff like that, which then of course led to like those all those those video game magazines and stuff like that. You know, I remember when those were big. Um, I actually had, um, you know, remember the, you remember Game Pro and a lot of those. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. I ha- I had a Game Pro like I think it was when Mortal Kombat two was coming out, and uh, I was such a loser in school. Like I, I grade school was real rough for me because I was such a nerd and I was pretty much the only one um, be, and it was I went to a Catholic school so it was a bunch of nasty rich kids basically and so I was like the, the, the poor nerd so that really just, just pushed me away from everything that they were and I brought in this game pro uh, of Mortal Kombat 2 because it was like a big deal oh wow yeah and I was cool for like five fucking minutes because I brought that magazine in and just, just, just like everything else in my life, the 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 teacher immediately found it and took it away from me. Oh. Threw it in her desk, and I never saw it again after that. <laughs> like purpose, like purposely saw. Oh, okay, the, the this kid is actually getting his day in the sun for once. Let's rip that out <laughs> and throw this in my desk and humiliate him and make sure that he's put back in his place. Did you say like, hey, your teacher ruining my game? <laughs> <laughs> People wonder why I'm an atheist. This is wrong, okay. This is this. This one is of, what did it for one me. One of many reasons, but you know, like not everything like, else. It's just that game pro. That's that's what that's, it's all that's what it co- that's what it all comes down to. I mean, you know, screw everything else. You know, it's really it, it comes down to that that moment at the you end. You know, I think I'm gonna be an atheist now because of that. You should. You yeah. should. I'm done with everything. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. You know, it, it, I mean, it might have had to do with the fact that uh, they didn't want my autistic brother in the school because you know he's different and uh, you know that that's not what Jesus taught or anything. And nice to people, and, and you know, embrace people who are different and stuff like that. that no, don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, it was definitely the game pro. That's that's what I was. But Leviticus is had it out for Goro. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Can't trust my SLR. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. It's so funny thinking back to like the stuff now. I remember bringing in. I still had this vivid. I was in third grade. No, fourth grade. I don't remember. I remember bringing in like my baseball cards and I remember like sitting there like flipping through them 
and I forget what one I had. It was someone that was like, because when I was like younger, I tried to be in the sports. Mm-hmm. I think when you're a kid, you're kind of like conditioned, like especially a boy, like you're conditioned, like oh, totally. you need to kind of have an understanding of sports. So I would know who players were and stuff like that, but I never watched any games. I just like knew who people were. And I remember having baseball cards. And I remember there was someone that was a pitcher at the time. Like, yeah, I'm not going to remember. And I had like his rookie card. And at the time it was worth money. Now it's probably worth five cents because I could not remember the guy's name. So obviously he didn't do too well after. And uh, I remember like looking through one of my, one of my teachers came over and he was such a dick, like thinking back about it now. And he like saw me looking at them while they were like, while he was doing stuff. And he was like, wow, what's that? Oh, uh, nothing. And takes my cards, looks at him and goes, oh, and fucking chucks them at the wall. And then just goes, oops, they slipped. Yeah, and I'm like, and this is like ten year old Derek like wanting to cry, but you know, and it's just like, what a fucking no, you're a dick, like that, you're not, you're a dick. You know what it was? I think in those days you'd get away with coming to him. Now, oh god, yeah. Fucking scandal, you know, because like people would go home. Yeah, he scarred me. I can't. I never. I never touch baseball cards after. I'm gonna. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was funny because like the the kids were really mean to me in school. All the teachers were too. Like they were real. Like they would go out of their way. Like that one's gonna be really nasty. And they kind of joined in on the whole thing. And there was no real policing of that. There was no Mm -hmm. way to stop it. So I mean, at the same time, like it it sucks that like a lot of people lose their job over something stupid that like they totally shouldn't. But you know, on the other end of it, it's like, all right, well at least I can get away with a lot less now. Yeah. Like I said with my brother, like they would never be able to get away with that today. you couldn't say, oh, oh yeah. I don't want your kid in my school because, you know, he's uh, autistic, you know, like, because they didn't even know what that was. Back oh, yeah. Then. It was more or less like, oh, we're not equipped for that, so we're just not going to help you in any way. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom, like, struggled to find somebody to, uh, you know, at the school to get them a helper to take them through school because he was a brilliant kid, got through school just fine, took all the same tests as the regular kids, passed them all, did just did well, was a straight-A student. But needed to constantly fight for everything. Now it's like it's a given that, like, oh, yeah. okay, if you're different or special in any way, shape, or form, you know, you're going to get taken care of in some form or another. Otherwise, you're going to look like the worst person on the planet, and you don't want to be that person. So, of course, they're going to do it. So it's like the, the guilt works, but it doesn't yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You know, it stops people like that, but at the same time, you know, like it, it you know, people who are too sensitive. Like, I mean, what, what was there? There was a girl a few months ago who was like, she was suing the college. Oh, yeah, that's right. She, she failed. failed. Yep. Whatever happened? I didn't you know. I don't know what happened with that. I don't know if anything came of it yet. I can't see how it would. I cannot see how. Yeah, but I can't see how anything could come of it because it's like if they gave in, like that's opening the floodgates Absolutely. for everything. And and if they even. Yeah, because it's like even if they were at fault in some manner. I can't see how they could any judge could allow that to happen because that's just opening the floodgates for any excuse. Because it's like that's the problem with a lot of the high schools now. Like you have to mark everything that goes on because you never know when something like that's going to happen. Right. And you're you're going to start pushing that on the colleges, and you're going to have like a whole flood of other things to worry about. And it's like why even go through all this? It's just, and I, and I don't know when it's going to end and. I don't know. That's not for us to discuss. That's that's a whole other depressing. Yeah, sure. that 
that's that's a whole depressing thing that I don't want to I don't want to get into. You have to get a few more beers in before you go. Yeah, that's that's when you start really exposing your uh your uh exposing your your philosophies on life when you're half drunk cuz then you can just oh, I'm sorry. I you know. That's, <laughs> so, why, that's why this podcast is 5 hours long. Yeah. If it was 5 hours long, we'd be a mess. Oh, that would be I didn't even realize that. I just saw arm. I thought it was an Army of Darkness shirt. I really didn't even look at it. Oh, George is loyal. I I just saw that that you know the army and the nest at the end and didn't yeah, look beyond. Yeah, so I just kind of you threw me for a loop. Oh, I just I thought you were a super evil dead fan. That's all. That was one of those movies. That and Dead Alive were the two of the movies that I got into through word of mouth when I was younger. Because it was just everyone. Because I remember, actually, I think I didn't see Dead Alive until like 2000 or something like that. And I remember I was working at Blockbuster. And one of the guys I worked with was like, you never saw it. He's like, you have to watch. And I rented it and was like, holy shit. Because it was just such a super underground movie. And as far as here, it did nothing. And it was just kind of floating around, and that's how that like built up the following. And now you, you can't even get that on DVD now. Because I was looking up stuff, and like, because I have a DVD of it. Because yeah. they, I think Anchor Bay put it out. I think that's who it was. Yeah, it was Anchor Bay. And and like Anchor Bay has a shit ton of awesome movies, and I don't know what they're doing with anything. They're just like sitting on them. They have like Cemetery Man. They have like uh, From Beyond. That's one I'm pissed about is, uh, oh yeah, you I said you lent, lent it. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, and it's and they well they suck with it too because like there's companies trying to buy these movies to put on Blu-ray and they're not doing it. They won't let them do it. I'm like, well, what are you gonna do with it? Like, you put a DVD out. I think it's like ten years ago almost now. They put the DVDs out, sold out, and they're like they're going. Because I was looking for, I was looking at something a couple weeks ago, and like Dead Alive is like eighty dollars and stuff on DVD, like a used copy. Cause you can't get it, and I'm like, it's not even there's nothing like really great on it. I mean, it's a DVD copy, but sure. it's just like, what the fuck? And there, and you could make if they put out a Blu-ray of Dead Alive, like I would buy that. Yeah, I don't, I don't get like why don't they don't have people specifically, you know, going and seeing what people. Are yeah, and they're complaining about the the state of the industry, like, oh, we're losing money here. We're not. Even, well, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you can yeah. make money right here. Mm-hmm. You know, in the last, you know, ten years or so, over and over and over again, mass produced, thrown in the five dollar bin. Yeah. Like a month after they come out, because nobody wants it anymore. It's like, well, really, at this point, you have to accept the fact that DVDs and Blu-rays are now more of a niche market. Yeah. They're not mainstream anymore. Well, and especially People for streaming, they watch it once, they don't want to own it. Yeah. No, it's all disposable. Like it's it, especially in the in the horror genre, like that's where you can make your money. Like, like I'll admit it. Like I can be exploited in that. Like I will buy. Like I have Evil Dead regular DVD. I have Evil Dead Necronomicon version in the special case. I have Evil Dead Blu-ray. Like I have. Like, that's an area I'll be exploited. That's fine with me. And most horror people have that loyalty. Honestly, if, if you're an Evil Dead fan and you don't have at least three copies. Yeah. 
Actually, I have it on I have it on VHS too. Now I'm saying that I have it on VHS as well. <laughs> like, it's just like there there's so much in that like that you could be exploitive of it, and and like no one would mind. I mean, really, if if you're in that, you don't. I mean, unless you're price gouging, that's when people complain. But no one cares. Like most of the people seek that out. Like in the horror genre, like they have like I remember seeing um, remember MTV Cribs was it Cribs? Yeah, Cribs. They did the Rob Zombie's house, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I mean, that was like that was the. If you never saw that, watch that on YouTube. I'm sure it's there, but it's an awesome house, and he has a horror movie like Vault, and he has everything on Laserdisc, VHS, DVD at the time. Like he had multiple copies of everything. So he's like, "I have to have it," and like that's how horror fans operate. That's how we are. Like we'll even buy a Laserdisc version if we don't have a Laserdisc player. <laughs> <laughs> like well, just to have a copy of it yeah and like you just want to have that because like that's where the brain is like you want to have that collection of stuff yeah well then you know it's funny like then they have that um scream factory comes out like they have a lot of the blu-rays they've been putting out like they put out like they live which is another one of my favorite movies and all these but they put out alternative cover art along with it it's double-sided like they have the original and then they put out special edition cover art People flip their shit over some of it, and we're mad that they put this. They're like, "Why isn't it the original?" And they get mad at them. Hmm. Yeah, and it's like, well, if you don't like it, just fucking flip the thing around. Yeah, and, but like the whole like I've like heard them talking about that. like, yeah, people get really mad and like send us nasty emails and they complain about it. It's like, just flip it. Over. And that that's what ruins like even within like craft beer and all like these people that because there's there is a lot of these things available now. Now we feel you're the right to complain. Yeah. It's like, well, you're gonna ruin this, yeah, and don't. Yeah, that's like I'm like, don't ruin. Like we have all these things, we have all these choices. Don't shit on them, because <laughs> the people that because the people aren't making a ton of money doing it. Even like a lot of the craft breweries that are like smaller starting up, they're not making a ton of money. Don't start shitting on them for whatever reason. It's like just if you enjoy it, enjoy it, and don't complain about the label or something. Like just enjoy these things. I think we've said that on, we've only this is our third episode. I think I've said that like numerous times already. <laughs> it's a running theme, and uh, I think our glasses are all empty again. Unfortunately. Yeah, we'll have to get some more, but uh, we'll wrap this one up. Sure. All right. Definitely. We'll be back, and maybe George will be back again. Be. George is getting in the fold now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll join you again uh, next week. Cheers.